everywhere else, but you're actually in here, so I salute you, and we'll try to keep this as engaging as possible. So this session is obviously about science, and science is actually quite technical. So if there are any words that I say that you don't understand, just raise your hand and ask me to explain. But I will take um, like bigger questions at the end. So, um, do you know, as this is the last session, I'm going to begin with praying, if that's all right. If you're not a Christian in here, don't worry, you don't have to pray with me. But if you are, we're just going to pray really quickly. This is our last session well, with me and you together. It's been really nice to, to, to get to see you guys. And hopefully we'll get to the bottom of this question. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for all of these young people, Lord, who've been wrestling with deep questions of faith throughout this um, these few days of creation fest and we pray lord that you will be helping them lord to to continue to wrestle through lord and not to give up on their faith but to know lord that you are not a god who hides things from us on purpose but lord you are a god who wants us to know you and in knowing you lord we can know about the world and how many beautiful things how many complex things in the world actually point to you we thank you for these things and i pray for anyone in here who is not a christian who has come with this question lord and uh, really wants to see what we have to say about this i pray lord that um you'll be speaking to them we pray amen amen Okay, so um, what we're going to do is approach this question in three stages. So firstly, why does the answer to this question, has science buried faith? Why does it actually seem like yes? Okay, in our culture, it seems like people think we don't need God, we just need science. And so, yes? That's a very good point. Some people think, look, we don't need to search for God because we found all the answers that we need in science. And I'm going to be coming to that. That's a very good point. What's your name? Noah. Noah. Thank you for raising that. I'm going to come back to that later. So in our culture at the moment, we're going to look at some statistics which show like a really sharp decline, a decrease in religious belief, which suggests that faith has actually been buried by science. That's the first thing we're going to look at. The second thing we're going to ask is who is God and what is science because when people make this assertion that science is buried faith we don't need God I think sometimes they confuse what they mean by God and what they mean by science we want to make sure we're really clear on our terms and then I want to encourage us to think a little bit differently about the conclusions that we come to about science and faith. So we're going to do this in three stages. So let's consider what the UK picture looks like when it comes to science and faith. So according to Professor Abby Day, aha, she's at the Goldsmiths University in London. She says, baby boomers, so that's like two generations above you, have raised a generation of millennials who don't go to church. And I'm a millennial, and if I had children and I don't go to church, it's very likely that my, ne- that my children, Gen Z, don't go to church. So she's saying, look, millennials have raised their children not to go to church. Post-Christians, so people who live in an age where we're not Christian anymore, we know something about Christianity, but we don't live like Christians, are motivated by ethics, this is morals, what is right, what is wrong. How should we treat each other? We don't, we don't really care about God, according to this lady. We care about how to treat each other, what is right and what is wrong. 
about gender, about sexual equality, social justice, climate change, and compassion. And Professor Day says the church is failed to deliver on those moral issues and so they've lost their authority people are saying look the church has got this wrong we don't need to look to the church for this kind of stuff anymore so let's look somewhere else so it seems like the the church is responsible for people saying look we don't need god we just need science and even within religious um uh, research religious circles of research and a serve anyone heard of scripture union yeah, So they did a survey called the 95 campaign and they found that a staggering 95% of under 18s don't go to church, but many of them are open to faith. So who in here is under 18? Everybody, well nearly everybody. Okay, so if you regularly go to church, you are part of the 5% that do. That's, that's a staggering statistic. And it all suggesting that, you know what, people don't need God, they just need science to get through life. And so the picture that we're getting here is that our Western society, we've become less and less bothered about religion, and we're actually focused upon advances in technology, human rights, um, and especially science. God, and specifically the God of the Bible or the Christian God, is no longer required. Science is the champion of our brave new world. So now to our question what do we actually mean though by God and what do we mean by science perhaps when we think about God we think about an entity that has let us down in the pandemic we've just come through COVID and we're not quite out of it yet so clearly he didn't do anything about it people will say so he's let us down or maybe he's an oppressor maybe God um, is having a joke at our expense With all the suffering in the world, he's just sitting there with his arms folded, if he even exists, laughing at us. Or maybe he's just a concept. Maybe he's just a crutch for some people when they get a bit afraid and they want, you know, to trust in a higher power. They they talk about their father God and they're just imagining it because it's wishful thinking. And maybe the idea of believing in God has actually stopped us from having medical breakthroughs in science. Now, one person who seems to agree with this kind of idea that, look, we don't need God, we have science, is the Professor Richard Dawkins. Anybody heard of Richard Dawkins before? Do you want to tell me who he is? Absolutely, yeah. So he is an atheist, um, I think he's an evolutionary biologist. He's actually made some really good contributions. If we go back, please. He's made some really, really good contributions to the world of science. And we have to respect him, respect his mind, respect his work, all of that kind of stuff. But he doesn't believe in God at all. He doesn't. And he says some quite harsh things. And he says things that I can, res- I can respect his profession, I can respect his achievements, but I don't agree with his worldview. This is what he said. He's got this famous book called The God Delusion. And this is what he says. The 19th century is the last time when it was possible for an educated person to admit to believing in miracles like the virgin birth without embarrassment. So we believe that the Virgin Mary had a baby. 
And that baby was Jesus. When pressed, when they're really pushed, many educated Christians are too loyal to deny the virgin birth and the resurrection. But it embarrasses them because their rational minds know it is absurd. So they would much rather not be asked. So remember in our Q&A, if you were in the panel yesterday, some of you were asking, what do I do if I'm bullied at school? And sometimes people think, you're so crazy to be a Christian or crazy to believe in miracles. They just don't exist. We have science. And this is the point that Richard Dawkins is making. But for someone who is not a Christian, Richard Dawkins seems to know a lot about what we think. Okay? And he's got some real sarcasm in this statement. And what he does... He says an educated person with their rational minds, okay, can't can't be religious. And what he's doing is separating the idea of being educated and being smart and clever to being silly and to being to be um, to be religious. And that is what you call a false dichotomy. A dichotomy is like a contrast, like you'd have black and white, or you'd have um, light and dark. They contrast, they're a dichotomy. That's what he's saying. Look, you're either smart, educated, and you believe in science, or you're thick, wishful thinking, and you're religious. That's what he's doing. But that isn't quite true. That isn't quite true. Belief, intelligence, education on one side. Uh, so your brain, intelligence, and education on one side, and faith, belief in God on the other side. But that is a false dilemma. We see this clearly between, because there's a, there's a supposed conflict between science versus faith. And if pushed, okay, sorry. However, and this is, remember that book I, I recommended to you the other day, 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity? I recommended a book to you the other day, 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. It's by a woman called Rebecca McLaughlin. And in her book, she talks about this very question we're looking at today, science and faith. And she lists several scientists who are Christian. Because what Richard Dawkins' statement says, look, he's suggesting that there are no scientists who are Christian. And that is not true. If we take some examples from today, Alistair McGrath, okay, he's a theologian and a, um, he looks at the idea of religion and science. Ard Louis is a, a scientist at the University of Oxford. We have Ian Hutchinson, Rosalind Picard. This is a woman scientist. She's on the forefront of artificial intelligence and she is a Christian. And you also have the, the famous and very to be well respected Sir Francis Collins. He was the head of the Genome Project astounding discoveries and actually Francis Collins he used to be a doctor or like a surgeon on a ward and he was asked by a patient one day like what do you believe about the world or where do you think you go when you die and that simple question from a patient who was sick in the bed actually led him on a journey to faith so I want to encourage you that if you are interested in science and you are a Christian Don't think that you have to choose between science and choose between faith. How many people have heard the phrase, look, I don't believe in science, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. Anyone heard that phrase before? I don't believe in God, I believe in science? Yeah, okay. But actually there are lots of Christians who would say, I believe in God and I believe in science. They don't have to choose one or the other. Now I'm not a scientist, okay, 
But just like the people who go around and say, look, I don't believe in science. I don't believe in God, I believe in science. If they, don't, they haven't even got a degree in the sciences, I'm going to make some observations as well. Often when we talk about God and his seeming conflict with science, we think of a certain type of God, okay? God of the gaps. The idea that if we can't explain something, then we're going to put the idea of God there, okay? But then as soon as we're able to explain something, there's no need for that God. And here's a famous saying from a guy called John Lennox. And he's got a really great book called Can Science Explain Everything? He says this, that's the kind of God the ancient Greeks believed in. The Greeks didn't understand lightning, so they invented a God of lightning to explain it. However, a little atmospheric physics at any modern university soon shows you that the belief in such a God is unnecessary. The God of the Bible is not a God of the gaps. He is the God of the whole show. He is the God of the bits of the universe we don't understand and the bits we do. So if ancient Greeks said, oh, look, there's lightning. It's very scary. We can't explain it. It must be a God zapping people behind it. So we're going to call that God Zeus. Then centuries later, we know how, science, uh, how um, lightning works. We don't need to believe in Zeus anymore. That's what people think about when they think of God and science. That God is just a placeholder, somebody to put in the gap of what we don't know. But does anybody know what Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says? Anybody know what that says about creation? Yes. In the beginning there was nothing, but what happened? God God made stuff. (laughs) So listen to the difference. The, The God of the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God created the universe. So he is above creation. A God like this is a God within creation, underneath creation, a God of the gaps. The Christian God is a God above those things. He's outside of creation, not subject to it. We're talking about two different things here. And this is the confusion that people have. Oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Okay. You believe in stuff because you believe in God because you can't explain tough things. But when you find out about science, you'll stop believing in God. That's not true. The mere fact that many scientists, like Sir Francis Bacon, Isaac Newton, they were at least what you call deists. They believed in a God and they actually made some of the greatest discoveries we've ever known. In addition to this important distinction that Lennox helps us to make, he's also saying, look, we need to take different religions and what they say seriously. I'm not going to go down that route uh, at the moment. So what's really going on here? When people say, look, science versus God, or we can't believe in science and believe in God, what they're actually doing is creating a fight that doesn't exist. Let's have a look at this quote here. The real conflict or the real fight is between two competing belief systems. Belief in God, which is theism, and belief that there is no God, atheism. Science itself is actually neutral. Even if scientists were to figure out one day how all the different parts of the material universe work, listen to this, science would neither have proved nor disproved a designer God behind it all. So there are scientists 
who know about something called the fine-tuning of the universe. And that is simply the idea that has been supported by scientific evidence that if the world, if gravity was just a little bit heavier, the whole world would, um, would implode upon itself. Okay? If we were just a fraction closer to the sun, we'd burn to a crisp. So a little bit like a radio, when you, if, you, if anyone has got an old radio and you've got to turn the turner to make sure you get the right sound, you know, white noise, shh, and then as you turn it, you get into the right sound. That's how our world has been designed. Just the right place, distance from the, universe, distance from the sun, the weight of gravity, and other kind of universal constants, the, the universe has been finely tuned for life. And there are scientists who believe that and they are Christians. And there are scientists who don't, who believe that and are atheists. The science stuff is neutral. You have two belief systems at war with each other. So again, if you're in here and you're interested in going into the sciences, you don't have to choose between science and faith. You don't. So science is a great academic discipline. We can use science to make observations about the world. However, there is another thing. So let's go to this next slide, please. I want you to pay attention to these two words on the screen. You've got science versus scientism. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. Science versus scientism. Now, science is the discipline we've just been talking about this whole time. Gravity, Physics, chemistry, biology, all those kind of things. They can tell us great things about the world. However, scientism is the idea that only science can tell us anything about the world. And if you have a question that science can't answer, then the question isn't worth asking. That is a very, very scary way to live. And there are some people who believe this. That if science can't tell us something that we don't know, then we don't need to believe it. We don't need to ask those questions. If I was to ask you, anyone here is in a relationship or, or, or has um, family in a relationship, and you ask them, why do you, love, why do you love Jim? And the person goes, well, the person could explain scientifically, when I see Jim, my heart rate goes up. When I see Jim, my eyes dilate. And I have chemicals firing in my body. That's why I love Jim. That would be a scientific explanation of what happens to the person when they see Jim. But actually, when two people are at an altar getting married, they don't say, Jim, I stand here before you in the presence of God to say, when I see you, chemicals are firing in my brain, my heart. They don't say that. They say, I love you because of the way you make me feel. I love you because you're there for me. You make me feel better about myself. A scientific explanation to that question, why do you love Jim, will not do. There are things beyond science that science cannot answer. Let me give you another, another example. I could ask you, why is the kettle boiling? And you could tell me, the kettle is boiling because heat is affecting the molecules in the water and the molecules are moving faster and that's why the water begins to boil. That was a scientific explanation. But I could also tell you the kettle is boiling because I want a cup of tea. The two explanations don't cancel each other out. They are both true. And this is where we stand when it comes to science and faith or science and God. 
We can explain how the world came into existence scientifically, but it doesn't remove the fact that a creator God has designed that. There are things that science cannot explain. Science, for example, can create a vaccine, all right? A vaccine for the coronavirus. But science can't tell us who should have it first. Who had the vaccine first in the UK? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, it was a 73-year-old lady, but it was generally older people who had it first and people who had different illnesses, okay? You guys are probably the last on the list to get it, yeah? Why were you in the last in the queue to get the vaccine? Why is that? Youngest and presumably therefore the healthiest. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Thank you. No, isn't it? So this is it. Science helped us create a vaccine. Thank God. Thank God there are scientists doing the work. And those scientists weren't all atheists, believe me. Okay? The vaccine is there, but then they have to decide who should get the vaccine first. You need ethics. You need morality. Deciding what is right and wrong to decide who's going to get the vaccine first. There's no formula to say, well... And, you, you know, make a massive um, formula on, on a blackboard or on a computer to decide who's going to get the vaccine first. There are some questions that science cannot answer. So another guy explains, and he's actually been here at um, Creation Fest, Andy Bannister, if any of you have seen him. And this, is a, this comes with a bit, bit of a trigger warning. So if you've, you know, had family suffer from the coronavirus, you might find this a bit triggering, but he makes a very, very good point. And he says this, along comes this virus... And what is it doing? It's primarily predating. It's like it's um, um, being a predator to the weak, to the poor and the elderly. Those who simply don't measure up biologically. It's thinning out the weak. We see survival of the fittest in all of its glory. The strong people, the fit people, according to Darwin, they're the ones who survived. But it's interesting that we're not Responding that way. Most societies have crashed their economies in order to protect the weak, the vulnerable and the elderly. Fascinating, Andy Bannister says. He says, that's a profoundly Christian response, not an atheistic response. Remember, we looked at this question a little bit when we looked at the question of suffering. If there is no God and we invent the values that we have as human beings then there's no reason why all the young people in this room couldn't have gone to the scientists and say, look, you guys have created a vaccine. The old people are dying. So what? We're fit. We're young. Leave them. Give us the vaccine. And if there's a little bit left, you can give it to some of the the stronger old people and done. You'd have every right to do that. I'm going to get out of the way so you can take a picture of that quote. But actually, if you decided to do that, if you decided to let all the old people die, And you guys get the vaccine for yourself because, hey, survival of the fittest, and that is a Darwinian kind of ethic, then you'd be operating as though God doesn't exist. And that's how how it goes. But actually, 
we as a global community have made a Christian response, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, if any of you who wants to become great, let him become a servant first. We've had a very Christian response to the coronavirus, not an atheistic one. There's no formula, there's no experiment in a science lab to tell you who should get the vaccine first. That is a question of right and wrong. Outside of science. The point is, God and science do not cancel each other out. Science is a praiseworthy discipline, but it has its limitations. A Nobel Prize winning scientist called Peter Medawar, he says this, a distinction must be drawn between questions of the kind science can answer and questions belonging to some other world or discourse. Science is great. Science is good, but it can't tell us everything about the world. One more time, I'm going to encourage you. If you're in here and you love science, but you felt under pressure that there's no way that you could be a scientist and a Christian at the same time, I want to encourage you to get rid of that thinking. There are so many Christians who are scientists. And actually, they believe that their work, as they uncover and discover how the world works, actually points them to an intelligent mind points them to a God who has designed it that way. Science has not cancelled out God. Science does not have to cancel out your faith. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to take a two-minute break, and then we'll come back for some questions, okay? All right. There, isn't it? Yes, at the back. Yeah, that was for the UK. Yeah. Yeah, so Scripture Union actually have been doing and putting together some resources. I've actually worked with them a little bit on how to introduce young people to the Christian faith. Because remember, that there was that phrase that the professor used, post-Christian. A lot of people aren't, are just may not be Christians, not because they hate Christianity, but they just don't know about it. It's just not even in their thinking. So what Scripture Union is doing is doing like programs where they go to clubs and they hear a little talk, have a discussion, a bit like almost like Alpha, and they'll do that and they'll be getting introduced to the Christian faith. Yeah, but that's a very good question. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So just to say that within the world of science and Christians who take science seriously, there are a range of views. So some Christians say, look, God created the world in literally six days, 24 hours, and he spoke the word and that's it. That's all that happened. Then you have some Christians who will say, the, if you look at the the original Hebrew, the book of Genesis, where it says on the first day, on this day, on that day, the word day actually translates to like a while. How long is a while? 
<laughs> exactly. It's like, how long is a piece of string? So actually saying the idea of the Genesis account, some, some Christians would say the idea of the Genesis account is actually talking about there was an order to things. Things took time and they were processed by a creative, intelligent mind. Okay, so there are some Christians, they would call, they'd be called theistic evolutionists. Okay, there'll be some Christians who are young earth creationists. But the point is, and you get to decide where you land on this, but the point is whether you are a literal six-day creationist or a theistic evolutionist, okay, the point is we believe that there is a God who designed and created the universe with intention, and that's really important because if there is no God and there is no intention to why we're here, we can land in chaos, yeah? So you don't have to... Because I felt this when I was younger, that unless I believe in this or this, then I'm not really a Christian. Actually, there's quite a lot of different views on that. But the point is where they're common is that there is a God who created the world. Yeah? Well, there's a second thing. I'm coming to you, Noah. Right, right. Could have been a what, sorry? Yes, yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what you're talking about is actually quite a technical thing in theology called progressive revelation, okay? Which is the idea that over time, over centuries, God has slowly been revealing himself to us. And he most he's revealed himself most to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when someone encountered God, say in the Old Testament, they had their view and way of explaining that it doesn't mean it wasn't true it just means it, it wasn't kind of using all the scientific language so there is there is a point you're making and i have, I have heard the theory about the, t- the red sea the, the, basically the 10 plagues isn't it where someone said it was a volcano and the after effects of the volcano there's different theories but it, anyway the point is that something miraculous happened and even if you can kind of chart the process of the 10 plagues Somebody started it. The way it played out? Possibly. But the point is, I don't think having a scientific explanation of a process saying how something happened doesn't erase the question of why it happened. And ultimately, we believe that there is a designer, creator God who, who intervenes in creation. Okay? Very interesting take there, the gospel according to Noah. Thank you for that. Um, any more questions? Yes. Um, 
Expand on that a bit more for me, please. Okay. Yeah. Well, there are different sciences, aren't there? So you've got like the you've got the hard sciences or the natural sciences like chemistry, physics, biology. Yeah, where you kind of have formulas and you know you kind of get an answer by the end of it. But then you also have sciences like the social sciences. You have like psychology, looking at the brain. Neuroscience is massive right now. Mm. You know, do the decisions we make are they ours or are they just chemicals making us do things in our brain? Yeah. So I think science. A bit back, going back to that quote. If we go to the Peter Medawar one, please. Science can answer some questions particularly um, the how questions, a process. Yes or no, it happened like this or it didn't happen like that. But there are some questions outside the remit of science that science can't answer. So there are some things I would say that are black and white and there are some things that you need to be a little bit more grey about. Like, how do you explain to someone that you love them? You don't start telling them a scientific explanation. Yeah? So this quote here, um, the next one please, Peter Medawa. I, did I put it in this PowerPoint? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, if you go back. Hey, forward. <laughs> forward. No. So, I'll just say it again. Sorry, I, I didn't put it in the PowerPoint. Peter Medawa says that there is a difference between the kinds of questions that science can answer and questions that we need to look somewhere else for. Okay, so there's definitive things. Yes, black and white. This is how something happened. But that doesn't mean there are other things that science can't answer. And I think it's actually arrogant of some scientists to think that only science has the answer. It's not true. It's not true. Yes. How does that fit in with general and... Yeah, so a lot of the time, progressive revelation is leaned on when people are saying, look, you, see, you, know, you know sometimes when you read something in the Bible and it's like, how did this happen? Like, why did they treat women like this, for instance? Okay? The idea of progressive revelation is that over time, as God was revealing himself to people, he kind of accommodated where the culture was in terms of its morality and kind of gave them a grace until we saw the moral perfection of Jesus. But that equally didn't stop the general revelation of, you know, in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Okay, so kind of progressive revelation simply is referring, I would guess, mainly to morality and what cultures did or didn't do to treat each other, treat each other well or not. But general and special revelation is something slightly different. It's about kind of knowing who God is, isn't it? Yeah, thank you for that. Any more questions? What time is it? You've got five minutes to go. We, have, we could do one more and then, yeah. Anyone with the last question? You never know when you're going to see Claire again. <laughs> Need to ask if you have one. Could be a year if she comes back. Okay, we're going to do two things. I'm just first of all, I want to say if you go to my website there, or even actually, it's a bit clips of it on the Instagram page. But there's a there's a YouTube video where I'm discussing science and faith with Professor John Lennox. Okay, 
I was like so starstruck that he said yes to have a conversation with me. And we're literally talking about this thing between science and faith. And he just blows everything out of the water. He's so good. He respects science massively and he loves God too. So go to that website there and in the media section, you'll see if you scroll down a little bit, there's a video science versus faith and it's a really good discussion with John Lennox talking about that also I would really recommend his book called Can Science Explain Everything it's about eight chapters you can read it in a week all right read it within your youth group listen to it on an audiobook really really good book so what I want to do now I'll just give people a chance to get that down Okay, let's all stand up. Oh, yes. Her name is Rebecca McLaughlin. I think it's M-C-L-A-U-H-L-I-N. Rebecca McLaughlin. Ten questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. And she uses Harry Potter a lot in that. So if anyone's read Harry Potter, you'll get... I haven't read Harry Potter, so when she was referring to it, I was like, I'm not sure what you mean, but yes. No, Lord of the Rings. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan instead. Yeah. Was there another question? Did I see a hand? No? Yes, no. Okay, so I want everyone to stand up now, please. We're going to get you out of this hot tent in a minute, I promise. And I just want you, especially if... We're going to pray for everybody here. But if you are someone who's interested in science or in mathematics, just in a subject that's not the humanities... Okay, and you've been feeling a little bit of a pressure like I can't do this and be a Christian don't be afraid raise your hand and I'd love to pray for you that God will give you the courage to pursue that we need more Christians in science we can't be afraid of it science is a beautiful thing okay so we're going to pray for you what's your name Rufus and Agnes okay anybody else Okay, I'm going to say this. You do, no, are you? Okay, you don't have to commit intellectual suicide to be a Christian. You don't stop using your brain to be a Christian and just fall out. And worship is great. I love worship, but I also love to use my mind. Okay, God gave you your mind. So we're going to pray. Everyone, close your eyes. We're going to pray. Lord, we want to say thank you for these young people. Thank you, Lord, that on a hot day at Creation Fest, they've come in to listen to a talk about science and faith and have seen, dear God, that they don't have to trade in their faith and their trust in you, Lord, because of scientific inquiry. We thank you for the discipline of science. We thank you for all that it has revealed about who you are, all that it's done in our technology, in our medicine, Lord, in the way we can improve life. But we understand that there is a limit to science, Lord. And that ultimately you are the sovereign God. And we pray for Rufus, we pray for Agnes, and we pray for Noah, especially as they, Lord, want to pursue the sciences. And maybe they're wrestling at school with teachers or lecturers or peers, friends, Lord, who would say to them, look, you have to make, look, make a choice. 
But I'm asking God that you will cover them and protect them. That you will just give them a, a mental boost, Lord, in the way that they're able to understand difficult material or material that I could never understand. But in understanding, Lord, they will see that this is pointing to you. We pray, Lord, that you will touch the futures of every young person in this room. That as they go out into the world of education, Lord, whatever career they might choose, that they will be shining bright for you, Lord. And letting people see that, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I have a relationship with God, but I'm still a normal person. We thank you for them, Lord. And we pray, though, that the many questions that they have asked over this time, Lord, you will continue to reveal yourself to them. We thank you so much, Lord, and we ask that you will, you will just continue to do a great work in them, in the lives of their families, their youth groups, and their churches. In Jesus' name, amen.